Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Indeed, today is the day. It is the 4th of August, 2019. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Joining me in just a moment will be Nick Pitts from the Institute for Global Engagement. You can find um, you can find what Nick is doing every single day at thebriefing.net. He and I are going to lead off today with a conversation about the headlines that we must all address this morning. The headlines are grim. 20 dead in a mass shooting by a 21-year-old in El Paso, Texas. Another nine dead in a mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio. The gunman's politics were different than the politics of the young man in Texas, but they were both young. Or they, and one of them uh, is going to be facing charges for his crime. The other, um, well, in my view, has already suffered the death sentence. Uh, there were another 25 people shot and killed this weekend in the city of Chicago. Those perpetrators, also largely young men. And although we won't have the data aggregated until probably like 2021, we can safely say that hundreds of Americans, most of them young, uh, probably about 260 of our neighbors died this weekend overdosing on drugs. Another 2,000 took their own lives by suicide. Um, Friends, we're literally killing ourselves and one another. I know that some of you are thinking, why is Carmen complicating the mass shooting headlines uh, with conversations about drugs and suicide? Because I think at some level we have to talk about the reality of massive discontent in our nation. A nation that has never known greater freedom nor greater prosperity um, is, has also just never known greater violence upon neighbor, neighbor-to-neighbor violence uh, and, and violence against the self. So we've got to talk about the reality of evil. We've got to talk about the corrupting influence. We have to talk about the spirit of our age. We've got to talk about, you know— I know some of you are now going to freak out when I say this. we got to talk about demon possession. And yes, we have to talk about mental illness. We have to talk about violent rage. We have to talk about the kind of hate that would lead another person to kill a human being. To take their own life or to take the life of another person. We are in a spiritual battle. But as a nation, having rejected God, by and large, we lack the spiritual terms. We lack the spiritual categories. We lack the ability to talk publicly about the reality we are facing. So we're going to rectify that here this morning. Up next, Nick Pitts from the Institute for Global Engagement and thebriefing.net. Amen. It is a great day to be alive. Uh, and, it, and this is the day the Lord has made. I misspoke earlier and said that it was Monday, the 4th of August. Apparently, it's Monday, the 5th of August. Um, Nick Pitts is here. Welcome, my friend. Carmen, so great to be with you this morning. Well, it's great to have you. And it is a great day to be alive. We are Christians. We claim the redemptive power of Christ in all circumstances. But it's a hard day um, yeah. to to be a Christian trying to speak into the issues of our day. So I'm going to let um, 
I loved what you wrote uh, at thebriefing.net this morning about how personal this is for you, particularly this situation in Texas. So I'm just going to let you lead in. Um, uh, We have from the New York Times that 19 minutes before the killings in El Paso, there was a hate-filled manifesto that appeared online. This young man, um, 21 years old from Allen, Texas, um, charged now with capital murder, accused of walking into a Walmart uh, shopping mall uh, and opening fire. 19 minutes prior to that, um, uh, he had posted yeah. this hate-filled manifesto. T- just why is it personal for you? Yeah, let's uh, – so you, uh, obviously we have what happened in El Paso. A man walks into a Walmart on a Saturday afternoon, which many of your listeners are going to be able to resonate with. That this is I, was, just a I, Saturday. Was, I was at Walmart on Saturday yeah. afternoon. This is a Saturday afternoon ritual. You're you're preparing for the week. You're making sure that you have the right groceries. You're making sure that the kids are going back to school. It might be a tax-free weekend in some states right now. They're getting them ready to go back to school, filling up their backpacks. And then all of a sudden, you have a 21-year-old man who's just filled with hate and has evil in his heart, Has decides that he's going to enact terror. But what makes this a little bit personal for me is this individual, one, lived in Allen, Texas, which is about... I'd say 45 minutes north of where I live here in Dallas. And then according to this manifesto, he just had hatred towards individuals who were Hispanic. And then I've got a little bit of Hispanic in my blood with my grandmother uh, who lives in San Antonio, which is about so- seven hours um, um, but right by El Paso. And so he goes down to San Antonio or he goes down to El Paso and decides that he's just going to enact terror. And as a result, 20 people lost their lives and tr- uh, dozens were injured in this. But if we look at this manifesto, it said that he wanted to kill Hispanics in a, quote, act of preservation to, quote, reclaim his country from destruction. He referred to Hispanics as invaders with high birth rates and expressed fear of, quote, shameless race race mixers. He targeted people like my grandma, uh, whose name is Rosalie. I mean, Rosalie would bend over backwards for this guy, but he just hates the idea of her. It's hard to love someone um, from a Christian perspective that wants to kill your family. Um, But perhaps it's not just hard, but it's also divine because in reality, that's an echo of eternity that we see of seeing that God was willing to give up his life for those that wanted to kill his own son's life. I want to curse him, but I know that God wants to bless him. I'll never understand his hate, but I, I believe my grandma's love will always win. Because even in the midst of all this darkness that happened in El Paso, that happened in Dayton, that happened in Chicago, that happens day in and day out that we don't get reported on the news, we always see glimmers of light that was happening as well. We had a soldier that acted heroically when a child ran into the footlocker where this soldier, this off-duty soldier was buying shoes and shopping around. A child yelling out that there was an active shooter in the area. This soldier goes into motion. His courage kicks in and he starts rescuing all these children, moving them towards the exits in order that they might be able to survive this tragedy. We hear about a 25-year-old mom that, that was just grocery shopping at the the Walmart. She shields her baby, a two-month-old baby in her hands. This baby ends up breaking some bones. This mother loses her life, but her sister testifies that her acts probably saved her child's life. And so even in the midst of all of this darkness, we can even see glimmers of light. 
it doesn't diminish the darkness in any which way or, or diminish the hurt that we're feeling, but it does remind us that we have a God that is so much bigger than what we can comprehend and that he's working to bring about redemption even in the midst of this darkness this morning. So, Nick, as you, um, you know, as as you recount the instinct to preserve life, yeah. uh, as you, you know, as you as you talk about that, you know, my my eyes are filling with tears. Kids here in my community are going back to school today. And one of the things that we've all been notified of, you know, via emails from our school district and voicemails from the school district is they're going to have active shooter drills right away. Yeah. And so I just think that, like, right, the the instinct to preserve life um it beats, it beats hard. I mean, that beats hard within my heart. And I know that it beats in the heartbeat of others, but there is, we have to recognize we live in a, in a day and a time. And, you know, frankly, it's the oldest, you know, it's literally the oldest story in the book. Um, We live in a day and a time when hate rages as well. And so Mm -hmm. when we come back, I want to turn to Dayton, Ohio. Um, We have a a similar and yet different storyline um, in this particular case, and I want to, if, if we can, I want to focus um, for a moment on literally this oldest story of murder in the book. Like when we turn to the Bible, the oldest story of murder is that of a sibling, and that's the story we have in Dayton, Ohio. Um, and not that we know for certain that that was the motive of the shooter in Dayton, but his own sister was certainly one of the nine uh, dead in in this event. So when we come back, Nick Pitts and I are going to talk about the oldest story of murder in the book. Um, Obviously, that's the story of Cain and Abel, but it's also now the story in Dayton, Ohio. We'll be right back. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. I'm Carmen LeBurge, returning to my conversation with Nick Pitts. You can find what Nick is working on every single day at thebriefing.net, thebriefing.net. Nick, let's turn our attention to Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, so what happened in Dayton, I mean, again, probably many of your listeners were out enjoying Friday night, and, and some were enjoying it so much that they saw the early morning hours of Sunday morning. But in Dayton, Ohio, an individual who won't be named because he, he, will, uh, he won't be remembered um, uh, decides that he's going to try to enact terror by going into an entertainment district where there were individuals that were enjoying themselves. And he ends up shooting this entertainment district. Nine people were killed uh, in this area, including um, his sister, uh, of all people, were killed uh, as this individual wanted to enact terror. What we know about this shooter was that if the if the one shooter that ha- uh, was in El Paso had hatred in his heart, was a member of the alt-right, or just, just, just this, uh, this gravitating towards um, just some evil racist ideologies the individual on the left it appears as though was on the very far left he was an individual that was a antifa supporter he was an individual that was an atheist you look at his twitter feed he talks about an atheism on uh, atheist on christmas and other such instances just an individual that decided that uh, he wanted to just kill joy and not only kill joy but kill lives on early sunday morning and as a result we're talking about him today so, you know, I think that we'd like to find we like to find something to blame and the thing yeah. we are choosing to blame in the culture right now is guns, but we also mm-hmm. like to choose something to blame. And so in El Paso, we want to blame um, you know, the fact that this person has a, a particular um hate that is directed toward immigrants. 
Um, in in the other situation, you know, the politics are on the other end of the spectrum. But we would still yeah. like to find a reason like right. We 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 like to find a rational reason for that, which is completely irrational. Yeah. Um, so, it allows yeah. us to be able to have a handle on it, to think that we're in some type of a control. And the reality of the matter is just the chaos that appear that everything is out of control. And so let's talk about that. Like, right. Let's let's talk about um, uh, this desire that we have maybe to um, to blame it on a thing, guns. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, let's just take a step forward from there. Yeah, I think it's man, it's woman, it's the human propensity to be able to have some type of control in the midst of uncontrollable, chaotic situations. But the propensity, while it's good to try to have some level of control that brings about safety, that eradicates violence, is it often results in false dichotomies of saying this is all a political problem, this is all a gun problem, this is all a cultural problem. When in reality, it's a confluence of those things. There's no, there's no silver. Uh, one, there's not one particular solution that's going to be able to solve all of this. The reality of the matter is that an American is approximately 300 times more likely to die by gun homicide or accident than a Japanese person. Guns don't kill people, but we sure have a lot of people that have access to guns. With 393 million guns in this country, and research, new research suggesting at the University of Alabama that a country's rate of gun ownership is correlated with the odds it would experience a mass shooting. But we also know it to be true that this shooter in Dayton, Ohio, had had a very troubled record. He, in high school, he had a list of people that he was making that he would either rape, kill, or hurt in this, and he was suspended from school. But that's where it ended, suspension. And as a result, we're now 217 days into 2019, and more than 1,300 people have been injured or killed in mass shootings. And as Shakespeare quipped at the past as prologue, this debate will continue to rage over gun violence in our country as individuals try to enact rage. So, Nick, I think that as soon as, um, you know, like people hear us talking about that, then they assume that you and I are uh, anti-Second Amendment. We're not. And that's not uh, what we're talking yeah. about today. Uh, um, no I, I, you know, I don't I don't I haven't been to Nick's house, so I don't know this to be true. But uh, we own guns uh, and they yeah. are in a locked safe in our house. And um, praise be to God that there was a person, there was an officer right. with a gun. This individual killed nine people in less than a minute. But within 30 seconds, he had been shot and he had been taken down. And so right. thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That there was an individual, there was an officer with a gun that kept this man, this maniac from enacting any more horror. Right. And, and I think that as we look around the world, right, you and I recognize that the ability of um, of a people to actually hold their own government in check at some points relies on a a people not being totally disarmed. And mm-hmm. so we, but we do have to have a conversation about the prevalence of guns and we have to talk. Yeah. We, we have to have the conversation like we can't just say um, because we're pro Second Amendment that everything is OK because everything's not OK. We do have a gun control problem. Right. Mm-hmm. We, and so. Even- yeah, yeah, even President Trump has tweeted this morning, uh, uh, three or four minutes before we went on air, is he's tweeted this morning about the uh, the need for a heightened background check. And so there's there's these thing these measures that we can take, and we're just so quick. Uh, even just looking through Twitter yesterday, we're so quick to point out and say, well. Uh, the g- lieutenant governor of uh, Texas had talked about bi- uh, video games and social media, and individuals we love to have so something to blame. To say, 
yeah, we're so quick to say, well, it's not just that. Well, yes, it's not just that. But that also is a problem. There was individuals that were talking about mental health and research indicates that four to six percent of mass shootings is because of mental health issues. Well, mental health is a part of it because one death in a mass shooting is one too many. And so we want to eradicate it completely. And we want to even say that four to six percent of the people that were killed in mass shootings are worth saving. So we need to address the mental health issue. But we also need to address the gun issue as well. How can we as individuals that honor our history and the Second Amendment that we hold so dear here in the U.S., how can we figure out how to keep guns out of the hands of evil people? David French has put forward an idea relative to restraining order on individuals that have guns, individuals that have guns but also have trouble paths. These are ideas that we need to put forward because we believe it to be true, that every life is worth preserving, and we need to take measures across a variety of instances to be able to make sure individuals' lives are saved. And you can walk into a Walmart, you can walk into an entertainment district and not fear for your life. Absolutely. So we want to thank law enforcement um, this morning. We want to also just absolutely send out one of those coverage prayers for each and every member of law enforcement today at every level. We want to want to pray for our school resource officers. We want people to drop off their kids today without fear. Um, and we want uh, and we want to be a people who recognize that um, we live in a blessed time and in a blessed place. But we also live in the reality of a spirit of the age, which is dark and evil and uh, destructive and delusional and definitely set toward death. So um, mm-hmm. on the uh, can we touch on the subject? Uh, I don't know if I have time. I got I got like one minute. You can do this in one okay. minute. We have this like <laughs> rampant delusion in our culture as well. And you have a headline at the briefing dot net this morning on the subject of delusion. Um, Victoria's Secret, which, you know, their models don't wear much clothes at all. I wouldn't even describe what they have on as clothes. They're undies. So, but Victoria's Secret is now, um, has now hired its first ever transgender model. We have just reached utter delusion in our culture on this subject. Yeah. It, uh, one, it's it's so sad. There's 1.4 million individuals that are identified as transgender. 37% of Americans know someone that is transgender. But the reality of the matter is individuals feel like there's certain individuals that feel as though they're prisoners within their own body, that their feelings don't match their bodies. But the reality of the matter is that Christ has died for our body. And there's a there's a sacredness to our body. And so we don't want to move away from reality. We want to accept reality as it is and then recognize that we have the propensity and we have the opportunity to love people in the midst of that delusion that you speak of. Because All right, love so covers a multitude of wrongs. It does. And you and I'll have to circle back around to this subject in the future. This one's I mean, uh, uh, sadly, yeah. neither one of these uh, neither one of these subject matters is going away. Nick Pitts, um, thank you so much. Folks can every day get the briefing. Uh, email if you go to thebriefing.net and sign up. Thanks, my friend. Thanks so much, Carmen. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back. So we're going to spend a few minutes um, here up next just talking about peace. At some level, we've never known greater peace and prosperity. At another level, we've never known as a nation um, such utter disruption and lack of peace. So we're going to talk about peace, and then we're also going to talk about prayer. Because I know that there um, are some who have felt utterly powerless to do anything to affect the trajectory of our country, or you have felt powerless um, even in the midst of, uh, of your own relationships 
you are not powerless. And so next, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about peace, we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about the power that we have in prayer to bring peace. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So you can always go back and grab a podcast um, from this show at MyFaithRadio.com. Maybe you have heard us talk about something in the past week. Or maybe, like our producer, Paul, you were on your honeymoon last week or you were on vacation. Uh, And so you missed the show. Uh, But you've already gone and grabbed one of of the podcasts at least. You you already... Anytime you have Bruce Ashford on, I got to listen to that. So I I caught the (laughs) podcast. Okay. So anytime Bruce Ashford is on... Paul, even though he is uh, out of town, grabs the podcast. Do you have a favorite uh, guest that we have here on the show? Um, if so, let us know who that is. You can always text us, 877-933-2484. You can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. And you can always grab the podcast for this program at the Mornings with Carmen page at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Paul. Oh, Thanks. I am blown away when I watch TV shows that showcase people's talent. The performers are so poised and confident. It's absolutely amazing. Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. These artists are a perfect example of what you can do when you're being a good steward of your God-given talents. And you know what? Those talented individuals, they all have coaches. Someone helps guide them to get better and better so they can be even more confident. What about when it comes to money? You can feel that same confidence about your finances when you're being a good steward of the resources God has entrusted to you. When you're prepared for the unexpected, planning for the future, and giving generously to others. And it's probably a good idea to find a coach, someone who can help you navigate the financial road ahead. So, are you confident in your finances? If you're not yet, you can be. And you'll feel a sense of peace when your money is aligned with your faith. All right, so we want to talk this morning about peace. And I want to talk about um, peace in the context of what it means to be a Christian living as a subject of the Prince of Peace, possessed of a spirit that offers the peace which passes all understanding in the midst of a culture that knows neither. All right, so that's the conversation we're going to have. What does it look like to be a subject of the Prince of Peace, that's Jesus Christ, in the context of a culture that knows him not? And what does it, what does it look like to be a person possessed of the spirit of Christ giving us the peach peace, that's the peach, the peace which passes all understanding in the midst of a culture that uh, is possessed of a different spirit. So, so I hope that you hear in all of that a supernatural conversation, references to that which is supernatural. Every time in the culture you hear references to peace, I want your um, mental alarm bells to go off, and I want you to stop, and I want you to consider what kind of peace is being discussed or proffered or talked about, because God speaks in the scripture um, about different kinds of peace. There is a superficial peace that is offered by the spirit of the world. There's a superficial peace that is offered by the spirit of the world, but there is a supernatural peace, a peace which passes all understanding, a peace that comes 
uh, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, that is supernatural. And you and I want to be purveyors, advocates, lovers, and makers of that supernatural peace in the midst of a time, a day, a culture, a family that may be a respecter of superficial peace, but knows supernatural peace not. So talk about that for just a moment. First of all, what is peace? What does it mean to be at peace with God? Just trust me when I tell you, we're not going to be at peace with our neighbors. We are not going to suddenly emerge in a world that is not uh, filled with hate and filled with love unless we have a spiritual awakening and uh, the spirit of Jesus drives out the spirit of hate in the hearts of uh, mankind. Like It is not going to happen through any other superficial process. It is going to happen supernaturally by an awakening, a spiritual awakening. In individuals. So we, I know that we often pray for like a spiritual awakening in the country. Do we recognize that when we're doing that, we're praying for a spiritual awakening in the hearts of men and women and children in this country or in the world? Like a spiritual awakening doesn't happen to a nation. A spiritual awakening happens to individuals through conversion, through redemption, through the awakening, the, uh, the sudden enlightenment of the heart and mind to the, to the reality that God is and God is good and God has done ne- everything necessary for our salvation, and his name is Jesus, and all we have to do is turn from the darkness and devastation and wickedness uh, and corruption of sin, all of which is, like we can point to examples of sin, but the reality of sin is, is simply anything and everything that is not the fullness of the glory of God. So if it's not the fullness of the glory of God, it's sin. I mean, it's just that simple. It might just you know, be like a little bit of nastiness in your brownies, but a little bit of nastiness pervades the whole thing. So, um, so it, it, anything that departs from the glory of God, all have sinned and done what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I know that you finished that scripture in your mind as soon as I said that. All have sinned and done the same bad thing or done a, done a bad thing that's on a list of 10 or 20 or 100 or uh, no, Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. That's, in its sort of biggest definition, that's sin. Well, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we know it, which means we all need salvation. That is offered in a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He is also fully God, along with being fully human. And so he is the perfect and only possible substitute. That's substitutionary atonement. Um, He is the only perfect sacrifice for sin. Um, He's it. He is the Prince of Peace, and he alone has the possibility of offering us reconciliation with God, that we might have a restored peace with God. If you look all the way back to the beginning, um, which, by the way, if you talk about the good old days, there's only one place where you can read about those, and that is at the very beginning of the Bible. There were good old days prior to the bad days in which we now all live together, right? (laughs) This is the reality. So there were good old days when Adam and Eve walked, what, in the coolness of the day, in peace with God. They walked in conversation with God. There was no enmity between humanity and God. There was, no, uh, there was nothing separating them. And that's what it's like to live at peace with God. They're also at peace with themselves and with one another. They know no shame. They know no guilt. They know no sin. We don't live in Eden anymore. We do live in the possibility of a restored relationship with God, 
where the enmity is destroyed on the cross, um, we live with the possibility of a restored peace with God. But that's a supernatural reality that does not come naturally and it does not come superficially by um, our agreeing together to uh, suddenly not be nasty to one another. It comes through Christ and Christ alone. And so if you want to be a person who lives in a society of peace, then you must be an evangelical who is out there seeking to introduce people to the Prince of Peace. That's our job as ambassadors of Jesus Christ in this generation. We cannot live uh, isolated from the world and the culture, hoping that it will all go away or just, you know, go to hell on its own and, and somehow we get to live in a heavenly little subculture in the midst of it. No, 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 no. It's coming, right? It's, it's pervasive. It invades. The spirit of the world is in the church. It has been since the first generation. If, I mean, if you want to know what the Corinthian correspondence is really all about, it's about the spirit of the world getting into the church and Paul saying, <laughs> hey, the spirit of the world is in the church. Okay, the only the only antidote and answer to a spiritual brokenness at the depth that we are suffering here in the United States of America is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes as the spirit of Christ, which means that we have got to be people who are advocating, advancing, not just any peace, not just declaring peace, peace, but the very peace of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. People don't need another piece of our mind today. I say this a lot. They need the peace of Christ which passes all understanding. They don't need a piece of our mind. They need the peace of the mind of Christ. If you are possessed of the spirit of Christ, you are a person at peace with God. You are also a person at peace with yourself. And you are a person who is able to live at peace with other people. Now, that living at peace with other people is what Paul is talking about when he's talking to the, uh, the church at Ephesus, when he is talking about being people who, uh, who make peace, right? So when we talk about peacemakers, we're not talking about something that is, uh, you know, we're, we're cooking up like, uh, like in a chemistry lab. No, we're talking about something that we are possessed of and that we possess because of the spirit of Christ living within us. Uh, and then we are able to extend to others. And so, um, you know, I want you to think about, like, it's not just any peace that we are purveying. It's the very peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. So how are you going to extend that peace to one other person today? How are you going to extend the peace of Christ, of which you are possessed by the Spirit of Christ? How are you going to extend that peace to one more person today? That will change not only the headlines in America, but the culture as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. So how do we help uh, become, or how do we become, not help become, how do we become purveyors of peace? How do we become not only people who are possessed of the spirit of peace, which passes all understanding as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, how, how do we actually become not just people who love peace, but who make peace in the culture in which we live? How do we become peacemakers? Well, it's not just by uh, lying down and allowing ourselves to be run over by the spirit of 
destruction and death that runs rampant in the world. That's not what we're talking about. Um, What we are talking about is suiting up for real spiritual battle. And if you didn't know um, that what's going on is a spiritual war, um, look, look if you can, even if ever so briefly, into the eyes of the people who do these dreadful, horrific things. And so the easiest one for me to point to, because there is a lot of video evidence of this individual looking straight into a camera, is the shooter um, in the Charleston Church Massacre, uh, which it's hard for me to believe was uh, now five years ago. Um, But if you look into, if you see uh, the footage of that young man looking directly into a camera, which because he did not take his own life and because law enforcement was able to take him into custody um, without uh, incident, you know, he he now faces the reality of the crimes he has committed uh, here in this justice system. I, I think it is fair to say that um, when we talk about the death sentence, individuals who um, who die in these in these events uh, because law enforcement takes them out, um, they do suffer a death sentence as well. Like, right. But there is a there's a justice system in this country that seeks to bring people to justice uh, before a jury of their peers, or at least before a judge. And the death sentence is a huge part of the conversation we'll now be having as a nation uh, in terms of uh, the shooter in in Texas. The shooter in Dayton, Ohio, was taken out by law enforcement. Why bring all of this up and why center on this? Because if you look into these people's eyes, um, I I don't know how you can see anything other than um, a spirit that is not of Christ. I'll just put it that way. And and I and I know that there are people who would like for me to just go right out and just say it. And so I will. You know, we have to get to the place where we can talk about demon possession. I don't even know how in this culture you would do that because we don't acknowledge in the culture, at least not publicly, spiritual realities. And so today, um, let's just, you know, if you live in South Dakota and when your kids go back to school this year, one of the things that they are going to see public school in South Dakota prominently displayed are the words in God we trust. It's the national motto. Um, It has a place in public environments. But if you look at the headlines from last week related to this, wow, people are really mad. I'm not saying people in South Dakota are mad. But the people, the people who have the power of the pen in this country and the power of the the pulpit on um, mainstream media, they're really mad. They are fomenting that these words in God we trust would be displayed. For children to see. Well, okay. So um, I am not one of those people who thinks that prayer has been driven out of school because as long as there are people in schools, there will be prayer in schools. And we talked at length um, last week about how to be praying for our schools and for our teachers and administrators. And if you missed that, uh, Kathy Branzell is the podcast that you're looking for from last week. It was a great conversation uh, about how to tangibly love our schools as we as we head back into this school year. You and I can tangibly be purveyors of peace, not just by being sure that the words in God we trust are visible, but that we're actually living lives that are God trusting. What does it look like to trust in God in the context of our life? What does it mean to to pray in trust? And 
Our kids are also going to, at least if they live in places like Tennessee where I live, they are going to pledge allegiance to the flag. And as a part of that, they are going to acknowledge that we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And those are really open doors for conversation, for for us as Christians to have with other people. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a national motto that's in God we trust? What does it mean to have as a part of our Pledge of Allegiance to the flag um, that we acknowledge that we are one nation under God indivisible? Because it certainly feels, it certainly feels as if we are a divided nation. Well, a spirit of division is the exact opposite of a spirit of peace. Okay, those are those are diametrically opposed realities. Peace is that which removes any enmity between me and another person or between us and another nation. That's peace. Peace is not just the absence of war. It's not just uh, people um, on opposite sides of, of an issue or opposite sides of a um, demilitarized zone standing there with guns aimed at each other but just not firing. That's not peace. Peace is reconciliation. It's the redemption of a relationship. It's the absolute cessation of anything that feels like enmity between the two of us. Peace. It's contentment. It's, it's, it's actual, there's a feeling, there's an affect to peace that can't be measured. Um, and it, it's not just that uh, we don't actively kill one another. It's that we actively love one another. That's the distance between hate and peace. All right? Hate, we actively kill one another with words, with, with guns, whatever. We actively kill one another. That's clearly not peace. But peace is also not just the, well, we don't kill each other. Peace is actually a heart change, a mind change, a change, a substantive change in the relationship where we actively love one another sacrificially in the spirit of Christ. So if we want to just if, we, if you want to lift up one sentence that we could be uh, that we could be praying um, over and over and over again, I would say maybe it's Ephesians 4, 3. It challenges us to make every effort. That's active. That's advocacy. That's that's actually getting out of comfort zone. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So God grant me the grace today of your Holy Spirit and the peace which passes all understanding, the very peace of your Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, that I might actively submit to you and that I might then actively turn toward the world and make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's important to note Paul does not suggest that you and I can create that unity of Spirit. We're to keep it, which means we're possessed of it, which means it's a gift of God, and it comes alone through Jesus Christ. So let us be praying together in the presence of God that he would send forth his Holy Spirit anew, afresh upon each one of us, and that we would pray believing, believing um, that the Prince of Peace, Jesus the Christ, has the power even now to bring peace in us, between us, and in the culture in which we live. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Okay, so um, for those of you who are saying, hey, don't forget the see something, say something effort right now by the FBI, 
Um, I do feel like as a public service announcement, I, I need to do some equipping. Um, and this is not to say it's beyond prayer, um, but this is sort of the prayer plus part of what we have to do as good citizens. Um, the FBI is really encouraging people to, uh, if they see something on social media, say something. Don't be afraid to screenshot uh, a tweet or a Facebook post or something that you see on Instagram or Snap. Don't be afraid to then pass that along to local law enforcement and to the FBI. Um, This is the only way that you and I can actually help law enforcement prevent prevent these uh, these things from occurring. And so um, it's all over uh, social media today. But let me just encourage you, if you want to give a tip to the FBI, that's FBI.gov. You can either go to their contact page or their tips page. That would be FBI.gov backslash tips. Um, and you can also, you know, just communicate with local law enforcement as well. FBI is encouraging you to do both things because obviously local law enforcement is much closer to where all of us live um, than maybe a federal agent would be. Um, okay, so if you see something, say something, and and you say, well, we're, we were trained not to be tattletales. That's not what this is about. This is about being an active maker of peace in our communities. And so if you see something hateful, if you see something inflammatory, certainly if you see something threatening in someone's social media feed, it is your responsibility as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and an agent of grace in this generation to say something and to actually say something to somebody who can do something. And those do something people need our prayers as well. So let's be praying today for local law enforcement. Let's be praying for uh, members of the uh, of the FBI. Let's be praying for those who serve us so well at all layers of law enforcement in this country, even as we are praying for a fresh dispensation of the Holy Spirit, that we would have a national revival and we would be uh, people who become possessed of real peace, real peace, the peace of Jesus. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for another hour of Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.